My name is Tammy and you're listening to Popular Education Radio. I know we've been out for a while, but we are back. And today we're celebrating the victory at Adwa. The Battle of Adwa was fought on March 1st, 1896 between the Ethiopian Empire led by Emperor Menelik II and the Kingdom of Italy led by General Bertieri. Ethiopia successfully defended its independence and sovereignty, making it the only African country to successfully resist European colonization in the late 19th century. To this day, the victory at Adwa is celebrated and regarded as a pivotal point in Ethiopian history, Pan-Africanism, Black and African solidarity, and of course, the anti-imperialist struggle. In today's episode, we'll be exploring the history of the Battle of Adwa and get a better understanding as to its impact and relevance to the modern-day anti-fascist movement. Now, let's rewind and get a better overview to the chain of events that led to the battle itself. The roots of the conflict can be traced back to the completion of the Suez Canal in 1869. The canal was created to connect the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea to shorten the travel time between Europe and Asia, allowing traders to avoid having to circumnavigate the entire continent of Africa. Italy, which had just become a unified country eight years earlier, was seeking to establish itself as a colonial power and saw an opportunity to expand its influence in East Africa by controlling a portion of the trade route. Ethiopia became a target due to its strategic location between the Red Sea and the Nile. In the decades that follow, European interests were categorized by an immense competition for colonies and sphere of influence, both in Africa and Asia. This time was often referred to as the scramble for Africa or the partition of Asia. Motivated by the desire to secure resources, expand markets for their goods, and establish strategic naval bases, the German Chandler Otto von Bismarck organized the Berlin Conference in 1884. The conference was held to establish rules for the partition and colonization of Africa amongst German, Great Britain, France, Portugal, Italy, Spain, and Belgium. Bismarck hoped that this would resolve in a peaceful division of Africa and prevent the outbreak of war among European powers over African territories. In my opinion, this is very telling of the European attitudes towards Africans and other countries that weren't European, which is completely racist, imperialist view that saw African people and non-Europeans as inferior and even worse, ripe for exploitation. The outcome of the Berlin Conference was the division and colonization of Africa into different territories. This process had a profound impact on the continent and it led to the exploitation of Africa's resources, land, and people. This exploitation is still contributing to the ongoing issues of poverty, conflict, and inequality felt today almost 140 years later. During the Berlin Conference, Italy obtained permission from other European powers to annex Ethiopia and sought to expand its holdings into the country. Another thing I want to note is that during this Italian invasion, the League of Nations condemned Italy's aggression but did not make any significant action to stop it. Does that sound familiar? The Soviet Union and Mexico were the only ones who refused to recognize Italy's annexation of Ethiopia and provided Ethiopia with some very limited military aid. However, no major European power provided significant military assistance to Ethiopia during the invasion. Right before the Italian invasion into the African Empire, Ethiopia was a largely independent kingdom ruled by Emperor Menelik II. It was a multi-ethnic and multi-religious country with a large agrarian economy. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church was a dominant religion and the Amharic language was the official language. And whenever you hear the word dominant, you have to remember that there are people who were crushed under that dominance. But 
that's an episode for a different time. The country had a long history of statehood and resistance to foreign domination. It maintained diplomatic relations with several countries. However, it was relatively isolated from the rest of the world and had limited modern infrastructure and technologies at that time. And that's in modern terms. I want to remind listeners that Ethiopia has some of the most beautiful and ancient infrastructure in the world. Anyways, five years after the Berlin Conference in 1889, Emperor Menelik II of Ethiopia and Italy signed the Treaty of Wachle. It was intended to define the boundaries between Ethiopia and Italian-occupied Eritrea and to establish terms of cooperation between the two countries. The treaty, however, had a different interpretation by two sides. The Italian version of the treaty stated that Ethiopia had become an Italian protectorate, while the Amharic version, which is Ethiopia's version, stated that Ethiopia would maintain its sovereignty and independence. When Emperor Menelik II realized this discrepancy, he repeated the Italian version of the treaty and insisted on Ethiopia's full independence. As tensions rose, the Italian government was exerting greater control over the neighboring country Eritrea. Italian Prime Minister Francesco Carispi, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, was targeting Ethiopia as the next potential candidate for colonization. In response to Italy's aggression, Emperor Menelik II began to modernize the Ethiopian military and form alliances with other African states. This cooperation was seen as a model for what we know now as Pan-African unity. Tensions between Italy and Ethiopia continued to escalate by 1895. Italy sent troops into Ethiopia, sparking the conflict that led to the Battle of Adwa. The Italian forces consisted of approximately 17,000 soldiers armed with modern weaponry. The Ethiopian army, led by Menelik II, was much larger in numbers, with an estimated 100,000 to 120,000 soldiers. And these soldiers were also farmers, pastoralists, women, workers, and artists. While the Ethiopians indeed outnumbered the Italians, they were mostly armed with traditional weapons like spears and swords, although they did have some modern firearm. The two sides clashed at Adwa, a small town in northern Ethiopia. Despite being vastly outgunned, the Ethiopian forces were able to successfully repel the Italians. The battle lasted for two days, and the Ethiopian forces used guerrilla warfare tactics, including surrounding and cutting off Italian units from their supply lines. The Italian forces suffered a crushing defeat, with over 6,000 soldiers killed, with another 3,000 taken prisoners. The Ethiopian side suffered fewer casualties, with approximately 4,000 killed or wounded. The general who led the Italian forces, Oreste Pietieri, famously promised crowds to, quote, bring back Menelik in a cage. The crushing defeat of Italian forces by Ethiopian liberators, on top of a high death toll, was humiliating to Italy. The Italian government was forced to accept Ethiopia's independence and abandoned its imperial ambitions in the country. Additionally, in March of the same year, just a few weeks after the Battle of Adwa, Italian Prime Minister Carispi, who some claim had pushed for war with Ethiopia to bolster his own political power, was forced to resign from his permission as Prime Minister and was replaced by Antonio Di Rudini, who pursued a more peaceful approach towards Ethiopia and eventually negotiated the Treaty of Addis Ababa with Emperor Menelik II. This treaty recognized Ethiopia's sovereignty and independence and established new boundaries between the two countries. For Ethiopia, the battle at Adwa over European colonialism demonstrated that Africans were capable of defending their sovereignty against European powers. This, for Italy, was a major embarrassment and ended their hopes for establishing a colony in Ethiopia. For now. The Battle of Adwa challenged the idea of European supremacy and African inferiority. 
It also demonstrated that Africans were not passive victims of European aggression. It also showed that European colonial power could be defeated and undermined the European belief that they are invincible. This inspired other African nations and black American leaders to resist European colonialism and oppression and fight for independence. The victory at Ottawa also gave a boost and a framework to the Pan-African movement, which sought to unify and liberate all people of African descent. The Battle of Ottawa became a symbol of African resistance to imperialism and helped to inspire other anti-colonial movements across the continent. Like I mentioned earlier, the victory at Ottawa was a pivotal moment in African history, black history, and anti-imperial movement. This piece of history inspired revolutionaries like Marcus Garvey, a Jamaican-born leading figure in the Pan-African movement, as well as the founder of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, W.E.B. Du Bois, an American sociologist, historian, and civil rights activist who saw the Ethiopian victory as a symbol of black resistance to colonialism and oppression, and even incorporated it into his broader intellectual and political project of promoting racial equality and social justice. And another person I'd like to mention, and you can check out in our back episodes, Jomo Kenyatta, a Kenyan anti-colonial activist and politician who became the first president of a liberated Kenya. He also helped to establish the All-African People's Conference in 1958. The victory of Ottawa is celebrated annually in Ethiopia on March 2nd. It's a national holiday and it's known as Adwa Victory Day. The celebration typically involves large parades, cultural performances, and speeches by government officials and community leaders. The main event takes place in Adwa town where people from across Ethiopia gather to commemorate the battle and honor the sacrifices of those who fought and died for the country. The celebration usually begins with a religious service at the historic St. Mary's Church in Adwa, followed by a parade throughout the town. It's important to note that the victory of Adwa serves as a guideline of African resistance because it was also used again as a rallying cry and inspiration for Ethiopians during the Second Italo-Ethiopian War in 1935, where a humiliated Mussolini tried to occupy Ethiopia again. This time, Ethiopians were led by Emperor Haile Selassie. They fought back fiercely and used similar tactics and guerrilla warfare to resist the invaders as they did in Adwa. The Second Italo-Ethiopian War lasted for several months, with Ethiopia ultimately suffering a crushing defeat. Ethiopia was occupied by Mussolini's fascist Italy for only five years. It was liberated with the help of Allied forces during World War II on May 5, 1941. Today, Ethiopia is suffering a civil war and has been for a while in between tribes and different neighboring nations. And I just hope that this episode allows people, Ethiopians and non-Ethiopians, to just be able to look back and remember that people come first and what happens when people come together and the mountains that we can move. It's important for me that all anti-fascist, anti-imperialist, progressive community members and activists, radicals, storytellers, and abolitionists to remember the victory at Adwa. This was an important example of how indigenous history of resistance against colonialism can happen again. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Popular Education Radio. Again, my name is Tammy, and I just want to wish everyone a happy Adwa Day. May we continue to be inspired by our ancestors and move mountains. The work is never done. If you are interested in this topic, I will link um, a good article that was written by The Conversation at conversation.com about the Battle of Adwa with a bit more stats. Um, Also want to shout out the book Days of Emperor and Clown, 
by James Duggan. Uh, it is about the second Italo-Ethiopian War. I appreciate your support and your kindness. If you want to reach out, you can on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is Popular Education Radio. If you want to send an email, it's popular education radio at gmail.com. I'll see you next time. Take care. Mm-hmm.